tonight, the Bible reading is from Matthew chapter 2 and starting at verse 1. And I'll just read it from my Bible. If you've got a Bible, turn there too, because you didn't come to listen to me, you came to listen to God, <laughs> hopefully, and see what he has to say. Um, I'll try not to disappoint you though. If you... Anyway, Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1 goes like this. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law, and he asked them, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? They said, In Jerusalem, in Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me, so that I can go and worship him too. After this, sorry, after this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Wow. These wise men travelled so far and they found Jesus and they worshipped him. And do you know what? Ever since, wise people have been travelling far to find Jesus. Wise people find Jesus. If you're a wise person tonight and you're hungry to find out who God is, you will find yourself face to face with Jesus one day. Did you know that? Yep. If you surrender your life to him, as these guys did, they worshipped Jesus. They, uh, In fact, it's beautiful because these guys are the first non-Jewish people in the Bible to worship Jesus. It's great. They bowed down. These wise men, or magi, we actually have the word magi in our Bibles, or magus. Sounds a bit like maggots, doesn't it? So I just... <laughs> I'm going to use the term wise man, all right? No gender, you know, these guys were fellas. They, had, they would have had beards and camels and all the trappings. But these guys, they were, um, they were not from Jerusalem. They were not from Bethlehem. They were 
possibly not even Jewish. Although some people think, and I like to just read what the Bible says and not listen to people, but some people think that these guys came from Babylon, all right? So from the east, so west of Jerusalem, sorry, yes, east of Jerusalem, they came from Babylon to find Jesus. Now, 800 kilometres, all right, the, the place where they possibly came from, which today, in today's term, if you were to, yeah, it's, it's actually Iraq, all right, so it's about 100 k south of Baghdad. These guys would have come from there. So I don't know if you've ever seen a person from Iraq, what they look like. These guys probably looked a little bit like that. And we often think that there were three of them. But the Bible doesn't actually say that. There were three kinds of gifts. What were they? Anyone remember? Frankincense, gold, and myrrh. All right, three kinds of gifts. And so we kind of think, well, there must have been at least three wise men. Now, when they travelled, that would have taken them a couple of months to go from where they were in the east to where they needed to be to where the star was guiding them. Now, these guys didn't have a Bible, although they might have had some kind of history passed down from a guy called Daniel. I don't know if you guys remember Daniel from the Bible. Daniel was a prophet. And Daniel was a man who lived in Babylon and he stood out against the majority of people. In fact, he one day, he prayed when it was law not to pray. He broke the law in the country by praying to God and not to the king or what, to the king's statue even. He broke the law and he started to follow God instead of the people around him. He was a very brave guy. But he was very wise because God spoke to him and he listened to God, right? this Daniel fella. And a lot of people out there, once again, not in the Bible, but a lot of scholars believe that these magi, these wise men, came from the teachings of Daniel, passed down through generations. As Daniel would have had people that liked him, wanted to follow him and learn more about what he believed, and so it passed on down the generations. And these guys would have been the scholars and scientists of the day in Babylon. They would have been in touch with real wisdom. They would have been sophisticated men and wealthy and in somewhat uh, and in power in some in some regard as well in their country. But these guys, one thing we do know about them from the Bible is that they were astronomers. They studied the stars. In fact, in the Bible, there's a lot of stuff written about the stars. In, in, the, in the Psalms, we're told that the heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens. You ever look at the stars at night when you go out to the country, away from the city, and you look up and you, and you see all these stars that... It's, all, it's like they only exist out in the country, but they still, they're still there right now. But if, if you were to look up in the sky right now, you probably wouldn't see any stars, except for one, the sun. And the Bible also says, not only, uh, so in, in Psalms, it says that the heavens declare the glory of God. In other words, when you see the stars, when you see the sun, they're declaring someone greater than them. You know, there's, 
lots of people out there over history and they've worshipped the sun or they've worshipped the stars. I mean, there's zodiac signs now and, and uh, some people like to follow those those star signs and, and think that those star signs are God almost. But God created those things. God created each one of the stars. In Isaiah, one of the prophets that lived 700 years before Jesus, he said about God, he spoke on behalf of God and he said that God created all the stars and named them one by one. Now, looking from 2021 back to Isaiah, who was 700 years before Jesus. So that's 2,700 years ago, right? I'm guessing that the Hubble Space Telescope never existed then. <laughs> and they thought all the stars that existed were the ones you could see when you looked up into the night sky. But we found out from the Hubble Telescope that there's a hundred billion other galaxies, let alone stars. And in each one of those galaxies, there's at least 100 billion stars. Anyone feeling small? Yeah. We're just, we're just in one galaxy called the Milky Way galaxy. And we're just one tiny little planet in that massive system. But God, the Bible says that God created every single one of them, spoke them out. In fact, I'm going to turn to, to um, the record of when God created in, in Genesis chapter 1. Now, if you're taking notes, that's in the front of your Bible. And in Genesis chapter 1, after God's created so many things, he says in verse uh, 14, this is after God's created the, 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 the earth and the plants, right? Then God said in verse 14 of chapter 1, let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days and years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth. And that is what happened. God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day, we call that the sun, and smaller one to govern the night. He also made the stars. Isn't it wonderful that God created all of those things for us? And he set them there, the Bible says, as signs. Now, if you were here last week, you learned something about God, that he's very good at sign language. He gave the shepherds a sign, didn't he? What was the sign? They would find a baby wrapped up snugly in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. Not a sheep, but a baby. And in today's reading, we see another sign. God is using sign language to speak to, to wise men. I don't, know. I don't know how to sign that. But God is getting their attention. Now, the wise men, we often, we don't have a, oh, yes, we do. We have a nativity scene up here on our screen. You might see everyone's got halos around their heads. Sorry about that. But there's, uh, there's uh, there'd be Mary there. That'd be Joseph. That'd be the baby Jesus. And here we have three wise men 
coming to the birth of Jesus. Now, the Bible actually says that it wasn't during the birth of Jesus. Did you know that? So when Jesus was born, the shepherds came. And then it says, it says here in, um, in our reading today, it says, when the wise men followed the star, in verse 11, it says, they entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary. See, by this stage, Mary and Joseph were already in a house. They were still in Bethlehem, but the census that had been taken had already finished. And so all of their other relatives that took up all the space that they couldn't get when they first came, so they had to go into that stable manger area, they could now move into a house with relatives and stay for a while until the child was healthy. I don't know if anyone's ever been over to a third world country, but the first year of a child's life is really, really important. If it can make it past one year, there's hope. If it can make it past two years, it's a done deal. This child is going to be alive, right? And it's pretty sad that we need to talk about that. But this is the context that we have here in, in Palestine, in, in Bethlehem of the day. They stayed in the house and they, and they looked after the baby Jesus until he was a child. Now, these wise men, they saw a star. They were 805 kilometres away. And they saw this star that spoke about something important. I think it's hilarious that there were learned religious people living five to eight kilometres away, living in Jerusalem when Jesus was born. And they didn't even understand the signs of the times. They didn't even understand the seasons. You see, God created the stars for seasons. And it was meaningful to everyone. I believe these wise men understood a lot more than the religious people of the day. John, one of the disciples, wrote John's Gospel. And at the beginning of it, he wrote these words. Uh, Jesus came to his own, but his own did not receive him. In other words, uh, Jews, they didn't recognise Jesus as the, as the Messiah. But it, but it says, to those who did receive him, he gave them the right to become children of God. And these wise men, they recognised who Jesus was. Here's five things that I learned about the wise men, and I'll keep it really simple and short for everyone, okay? First of all, they read and believed God's word. They read and believed the Bible. In the Bible, there are prophecies all the way through talking about a promised Messiah that was going to come. Uh, Daniel, the prophet, he wrote these words uh, in Daniel chapter 9. He wrote words about the time, the timing of it all. It's going to happen so many years after someone comes into reign. It's going to be timing, perfect timing. Um, and in Numbers chapter, four to, uh, chapter 24, can I read you that? Let me read you that. Numbers 24. Here's a prophecy from a guy called Balaam. He had a donkey that spoke to him one day. But this wasn't the donkey. This was him. And he spoke this prophecy to these people one day. And he said these words. He said, I see him, but not here and now. 
I perceive him, but far in the distant future. He's talking about the Messiah. He's talking about the Christ. I perceive him far in the future. A star will rise from Jacob. A scepter will emerge from Israel. A star will rise from Jacob, from from Bethlehem. And a scepter, in other words, a, a scepter is a stick that a ruler would use, right? Someone who had power and authority, a king, okay? says a king will emerge from Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab's people, cracking the skulls of the people of Sheth. That sounds pretty gory. But it's speaking about a promised one who's going to redeem God's people, set people free and conquer evil. Who wants to see evil conquered? There's so many evil things out there in the world. And one day, God's going to make it right. But the first step was to send the Messiah, Jesus. And from the very beginning of creation, when God made Adam and Eve, he promised Eve that she would, one of her descendants would be the one who would crush the head of Satan, the devil, who is the king of evil. He's the prince of demons and the father of lies. And so all, the, all throughout the Old Testament, there's these promises of this coming one. And I believe that the wise men read those promises, understood those promises, and believed God's word. They also sought Jesus. Wise people seek Jesus. Now, these guys went 800 to 900 miles. My apologies, miles, not kilometres. That's a long way. That's a long way. It would have taken them months to travel. And it wouldn't just just have been these guys. They would have had like a cohort of other people, helpers, cooks, chefs, tent builders, It was massive. It was just this moving, camping caravan of people that were following this star. They sought Jesus. They sought Jesus. They didn't seek some kind of religion. They didn't seek some kind of way of life. They sought a person. You know, it's really interesting to say that because sometimes we can get caught in the trap of thinking that going to church is going to save us and make us right for heaven. Sometimes we get caught in the trap of thinking that praying or doing certain religious activities or not doing certain bad things is going to save us and make us right for heaven. But the actual fact is, if we come to Jesus ourselves and bow to him and worship him and give our lives to him, give our hearts to him, That's what's going to save us. He has already sought us. And it's our job to seek him. Wise people still seek him. Another thing I noticed is the wise people recognise the worth of Jesus. You know, imagine the scenario. We, We hear it every year probably, but here's these wise people and they come to a house where Mary is and there's a child who's probably about two years old. And these are grown men they're well-educated, they're, they're extremely wealthy, they know how to live life, they know how to lead, they're, they're wise, and yet they bow to a two-year-old in some random lady's house in a small little town called Bethlehem. That doesn't seem very smart to me, 
But they're not smart guys. They're wise guys. It's not academic. It's not here. It's here. It's intuition. They feel it. They follow stars, for goodness sake. They find this child, two years old, and they see worth in him because they've been following the star for so long. In fact, they've been following the stars for so long. Some some people believe that just like the um, oh, the zodiac signs, right? There's constellations in the in the sky. Did you know that? What's Leo? What's what's Leo's picture? Lion. What's Virgo? What's Virgo's picture? A woman. A woman. What's Libra? What's Libra's picture? <clears throat> Scales, that's me. I'm, apparently I'm a scale person. You've got scales everywhere. I don't know. But, but, but some scholars believe, and I won't go into the details, but some scholars believe that at that time, the, the actual stars and planets were aligning for God to speak his sign language using the stars to these men to cause them to go to this place to find the lion of Judah and the virgin, Virgo, giving birth to the lamb, Aries. I know, it blows my mind, but just Google the Bethlehem star, all right? The Bethlehem star. It might be food for thought, all right? It's someone that's looked at the Bible, at least, and, and done their best. But regardless of that, these men, these wise people, recognise the worth of Christ. Not based on his appearance, but based upon who he is. See, they gave him gifts. They gave him gold, frankincense and myrrh, costly gifts to a two-year-old. What's a, what's a two-year-old going to do with gold? Nothing, but it's going to help him get through life. The parents are going to take the gold, they're going to use it to help this child grow up healthy and supported. Support Myrrh, myrrh is, and in frankincense, beautiful smelling aromas. Myrrh is sadly used for burials. And some people believe this is prophetic, that Jesus was born to die. And frankincense is used in worship in the temple in Jerusalem as, as an image of prayers and of, of God's, God being pleased with, with the smell of the incense in worship. Regardless of that, these guys recognise the worth of Jesus. Another thing, a fourth thing that wise men do, or wise people do, is they humble themselves to worship him. It says in verse 11 that they bowed down to worship Jesus. And this word for bow down is actually not this. It's not even this. It's actually your face and your whole body on the ground. Like flat worship like that, bowing down. Now, we've worshipped tonight, haven't we? We've sung songs. But worship is more than just singing songs. Um, who was it that wrote that song? I'll bring you more than a song. Matt Redman. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about Jesus. And these guys understood that. And they humbled themselves before him. What they did was they put their heads down and their hearts up to him. They surrendered to Jesus, the baby Jesus, the, the child Jesus. And that's all God wants us to do too. He wants us to humble ourselves to worship him. 
The, the fifth thing I notice about these wise men is um, I love about them. I, I resonate with this attribute to them. They obeyed God rather than men. Rather than men. They weren't afraid of King Herod. King Herod could have put them to death if he wanted to. And King Herod tried to trick them into getting them to tell him where the child was. And he said, and I quote, so I can go and worship him. But we find out after this story that King Herod went on a killing spree in that whole area, killing every child under the age of two, every, every male child under the age of two. And there was, there was crying and heartbreak throughout the whole region. Herod didn't want to worship Jesus at all. Herod was afraid that this one might be the king of the Jews that would overthrow him from his throne. And the opposite of trying to kill somebody is to humble yourself. They obeyed God rather than men. They didn't obey Herod. They obeyed God. God spoke to them again in a dream. And he still does that too. God still speaks to people using sign language. I don't know if you've ever looked up at the stars at night and seen the Southern Cross. You ever see the Southern Cross? It's beautiful. And every time I see the Southern Cross, you know what I think of? The cross that Jesus died on for my sin and your sin. The cross that he took, he got nailed to for my sin and your sin. Because he loves us. He went all that way. He loves us. Wise people find Jesus. They did then and they still do. They read and believe God's word. Doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense. If God said it, I believe it. They sought Jesus. They took steps. They went the extra mile. They didn't let anything get in the way or anyone get in their way. They sought Jesus. Have you sought Jesus? Are you seeking Jesus? What are you seeking tonight? Are you seeking Jesus? That's why we should be here in church, to seek him. They recognize the worth of Jesus. They respond by giving gifts to him. Now, God doesn't want your gifts. I mean, we take up an offering but it's not, it's, God doesn't need our money. All right? what, he, what he really, really, really wants is you and me to surrender our hearts to him and have a relationship with him every single day. Have you recognized the worth of Jesus and given him your greatest treasure, your heart? They humbled themselves to worship him. Sometimes it's just, just good just to get out of your own head. And just humble yourself before someone else humbles you. Amen? Or is it just me? Sometimes we just need to think about humbling ourselves before someone else humbles us. Humble ourselves and bow down and worship him. It's all about your heart, not your head. He's, all up, he's, all, he's after your heart. And to obey God rather than men. Don't be afraid of what people say and do. Even today in Victoria, you know, there's different things and there might be a future, um, it might be getting harder in the future to be a Christian. 
I want to encourage you, continue to trust and obey God. Don't be afraid of what people can do, even kings in authority, because ultimately God is the greatest authority. Any wise people here tonight? I hope so. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much that you're a God who loves us. You're a God who knows how to speak to every single one of us in our own individual language. Lord, I've spoken some words tonight, but my prayer, Lord, is that your voice would go out, that you would use whatever it takes to speak to our hearts, whatever it takes, God, to speak to our hearts, to get us to the point where we find Jesus, that we come face to face with Jesus and honour him and worship him and obey him. We ask this in his name. Amen.